Testing. One, oh, one. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me from the bowels of development hell is none other than my partner in crime, Mr. Jam Elias. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Very good, Fred. How are you? Good. I'm slurring my speech, but I promise I haven't been drinking yet. Yes. Drinking, <laughs> exactly. Not drinking yet. Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's fucking freezing here in uh Kansas City in the, in the United States well. of America. Yeah? Yeah. Do you guys use Fahrenheit or are you more of a Celsius type? <laughs> For of a Celsius over here. Oh, of yeah. course you are. God damn. <laughs> do we do anything the same? <laughs> uh, I'm having really. a hell of a time <laughs> yeah. with European uh inputs, my friend. Not pleased, not pleased with it at all. Don't even drive on the right side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm sitting on my CDMA phone, (laughs) looking at degrees Fahrenheit, driving in miles per hour. (laughs) Yeah. Using what you uh, Europeans traditionally refer to as composite video instead of composite. Yep. Anyway. (laughs) The list never ends. Well, what's going on, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Not much, Fred. It's been a good good week this week. Good. uh, Yeah. Well, apart from being green, but yeah, it's cold here as well. So winter's definitely kind of getting, well, setting in. Um, yeah, I feel like we skipped over autumn this. Uh, yeah, it, it does feel that this, way this year, and it, it's really pissing me off because it's my favorite holiday. I named my daughter after it, and I can't even bother to hang out for a couple weeks. We jumped right over the uh, spiced apple cider and straight into like, you know, eggnog so, lattes. It's really yeah. pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, and and everyone's feeling prompted to do Christmas stuff early, and that's another thing I really don't yeah. like. I've noticed that, that as well. Bullshit. Anyway, yes, yes, yes. So, but on the video game front, sales abound. Yeah. It's a big deal. Things are going to so be cheap. So many games. I, <laughs> I just picked up Grand Theft Auto Five today oh, on yeah. the PS4, and as I'm leaving the store, the guy's like, "So you're going to be playing that tonight?" I was like, "Nope, not until probably 2015 <laughs> am I going to touch this fucking game." But I did want to pick it up. <laughs> So get your first person perspective. <laughs> yes, I saw a great video of a of a hooker scene in first yes, person. Straight, it's, straight away. It's quite, yeah, I just jumped right into the heavy shit. And uh, it's it's quite um, I did not realize that is probably the v- most vulgar game I've seen ever. Not in terms of what happens in the game, mm-hmm. but what comes out of that girl's mouth. No pun intended. Um, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty rough, but uh, anyway. Uh, well, any uh, any news for you on the retro front and or otherwise that you'd care to share? Uh no, not not a lot in terms of well, you know, this this week I've been for some reason I don't know why, but I felt inspired to actually try GTA San Andreas on the Xbox 360, and it makes me laugh that people were moaning about Assassin's Creed Unity so much this week because the first mission I played on this game on the 360, I fell through the walls, <laughs> fell, fell through fell through the floor. And I was like, huh, 
So that was a good start to this game. So it was just we just we just pissed away our our handful of yeah, dollars or pounds, didn't we? Yeah, and straight away, which is really funny, talk. Because before I boot this up, to, um, boot this up to play this week, they did have another patch on it. I mean, but granted, this is only patch. it's only happened once. Patch. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's it's a it's a fucking game that's like almost a decade old that's been already released and and then they put yeah. it on mobile and this is a port of that mobile game <laughs> i think that's kind of the issue with this is i think the, the kind of it is a port of is, is a, is, it is a port of the ios version you're saying it, yes, so it, it, it definitely it feels like that yes, <laughs> so, uh, apparently yeah. they've stripped a bunch of stuff i was gonna do a comparison video but what's the point i know yeah so what you're I, saying I, is don't lose my original Xbox version of this game, huh? Probably not. Or even okay. your PS2 version, for that matter. I, I don't have my... I, I bought it on Xbox, but yes, mm. yeah. I was just curious. Just I, just, I thought... Because, yeah, what like we were saying the other week, like, when the hell am I going to play this anyway? So I thought, Let, let's just boot this up, because this might be the only time I've booted up pretty, for a year or two. <laughs> so, well, I've got it on PC, which uh, still is the reigning contender, so... Yeah. Uh, or not contender, the reigning champions, so... Um, I just thought that was hilarious because obviously the, the the media all this week has just been about everything not working, like Assassin's Creed and Far well, Cry and, and, it's just like, and everything else. Master Chief <laughs> yeah, Collection. Everything. People are like, is Master Chief Collection broke? I was like, I don't know. Everybody's saying it sucks, so I haven't booted it up. They're yeah, like, absolutely. what? Yeah, I just I wanted it. I downloaded the patch. It's ready to go. <laughs> I got the Halo channel. Watch that great uh, Halo 2 documentary, which mm-hmm. I highly recommend to anybody who has an Xbox platform. I think it's on the 360 as well as the One. Uh, and it's probably on YouTube at this point. Um, it's a fantastic documentary on uh, kind of the development of Halo 2 and then going into uh, how they recreated it. You know, it's kind of PR speak, but mm-hmm. I-, I like well-done video game documentaries. And this had enough uh, care and money behind it to be worthwhile. Nice. But uh, yeah, everything's fucked. Uh, apparently, you can't even have a face in Assassin's Creed Unity. Bitches be course, rolling yeah. up on you, looking like the they live people and freaking everybody out, or the Attack on Titan people. So uh, yeah, I've I've been playing Shadow of Mordor though, uh, and and we're not going to discuss modern games, but uh, but I will be honest with you, Gaming History One Hundred and One, both the site and. The podcast. We're not going to discuss modern topics. We're also not going to forget that modern games are out. Um, and the only reason I brought up Shadow of Mordor is, regardless of my thoughts on that game, and I'll talk about it on the B team, um, it works right yeah. out of the box. <laughs> so, hello? Oh, no, I mean, I was, I was about to say, didn't, didn't they release the last gen version of Shadow of Mordor like today or something? Yeah, don't buy that. Don't buy that. <laughs> yeah. It uh, has no nemesis system in it, which is like saying, well, here's this girl you can love for the rest of your life, sexually if you wish, but she has no vagina. You know, it's like, what? Actually, that's a really vulgar one. Okay, fine. Let's put this in less manly terms. It's basically like, yeah, buying something without a soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which now I'm going into slavery. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that's the soul of that game. That's what it does different. Uh, mm. Other than emulating Assassin's Creed 2 meets Arkham Asylum pretty well. Uh, if you've ever been looking to merge those two games together and whip <laughs> a little nemesis system in there, you've got a Shadow of Mordor. <laughs> so... But uh, and there's some talk about Borderlands. I got a yep. free copy of uh, the pre sequel, and I haven't booted it up yet. But I'm looking forward to it. I will be playing that mm. at some point. But I'm still a little close to the the completion of Borderlands Two uh, mm. for me to do it because I completed it this summer. Same thing with Far Cry. Yeah, I just beat Far Cry Three this summer, so mm-hmm. a little too soon. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> well, and as most people probably know, I've been effing around with capture cards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a lot. So I apologize for people who are not interested in that kind of tech or that already knew all about it. But what I've noticed is when you do a Google search, there is no lack of misinformation. It's mostly people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. And YouTube's really pissing me off because if it's gaming and it's a video and it's a and it's like a how-to, it's usually done by a 13-year-old who does know what they're talking about, but they haven't taken time or care or anything to prepare. And it's not like I'm criticizing a 13-year-old, but it's like when I want – like this one kid was trying to explain how to get rid of a lag. He spent nine minutes bullshitting on the video and then eight seconds showing me what to do, which was just one setting. Yeah. And then once I knew that, I'm like, God, I watched that whole video for that one setting. Like, if I ever do a tech uh, video, and I'm probably going to do some in the near future, it's just going to be like, bam. Like, you got audio lag? Here, here, click this, say okay. Thank you for watching. 30 seconds done. The bumpers are going to be longer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to. And I definitely want to do it with the, because the game capture, I played it with a couple of them, and the one I ended up going with, I considered the Halpage. And there was one called Blue Rex, which doesn't interface with your PC. And then I ended up going with the Elgato, which is the one a lot of people talk about. And watching the Elgato videos on before I bought it on how to like set that up, it's terrible. These guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. And and especially Jam, I hate to say it, but you Brits, man, <laughs> you guys overcomplicate that shit way too much. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that's actually quite a common thing over here. <laughs> well, and you know what it is? It comes from a childhood of you guys having to adapt everything because none of these companies were really Euro-friendly, uh-huh. in my opinion. I yeah. figure they just assumed RGB slash SCART was the answer for everything. And I saw this cool little adapter. I guess you guys have that over there, which is SCART to composite. Yep, yep. <laughs> I saw that on a video, and I was like, holy shit, that's how they plug it in. Because, you know, you see all the cables, and it's just the SCART, and you see that 31-pin connection or 21-pin connection, and you're like, how the fuck are they interfacing with that? Is that on the back of their televisions? Yep. It is? It is, yeah. Oh, my God, i got to buy a British TV. The first thing I'm doing when I come to Europe, and I will come to Europe in the next five years, is I'm buying a British TV and sending just it straight home. TV. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> I want to find the, I'm sure you guys have them, like the LCD TV or something that has like every input that has like, you know, SCART, PAL, HD, like the whole nine yards. The only thing I won't care about is NTSC. Well, most modern TVs, even my even my, even my HD TV has a scar at the back for some reason. I don't know why, because I don't use it, but, <laughs> so, but even there that has go. it. <laughs> so. But... Uh... Yes, because I, we like to keep it simple. <laughs> again, it's probably not you guys. You just don't know any better because it's how you were raised because you had to deal with all this shit in the past. It is not a good time to be like a 30-something in Europe that had to grow up between yeah. gens. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm talking with the chat. Anyway. The thing I was going to say funny for you, though, Fred, is if you do come over here and buy a TV, even if you buy one of the old like CRTs over here, it's, the price to buy them for is you can always get them for free just hanging around this place. It'll cost you more to ship the thing back to your country. And that I'm it. very aware so, of. Yeah. Maybe I can just – maybe I can just – oh, Cy, one, what does he know about British TVs? Isn't he from Australia? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> – <laughs> Australian TVs, you want to talk about fucked up. It's Great Britain without any of, like, the perks of, like, having all those, you know, other, you know, similar countries near you to, to pull from. 
Australia, man, I because I know they're Region Four pal, uh, or at least they were from DVD standards, and uh, I think they pretty much piggyback uh, Europe style. But uh, I, that's got to be a bitch too. But uh, fucking <laughs> fucking Americans in there and have small penises I'm that can't handle cables. Outside one plays his games because apparently he does. I think he plays his um, like British games on his American, Australian TV. So. I can, I I think it's the same. I think they're both pal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. But uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, so, um, so what I'm going to do is, uh, um, is I've got the Elgato set up. I need to do a couple more settings, but then I was going to do a video and probably no one here needs it, but I was going to do a video that goes first thing about the Elgato, everything you need for everything, including composite is (laughs) right in the goddamn box. Don't buy anything. If you're real picky like me and you want to separate your chrominescence and luminescence, and you know what that is, you can buy the retro adapter for S video, but you don't need it for composite. It just cracks me up because they're like, yeah, there's no cable for composite. (laughs) There's no way to hook it up. And then you walk in and the first thing it says in the Elgato box is your component cable adapter also works right. with composite. Plug the uh-huh. yellow into the red. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> Which one? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, there we go. They're pal A. Um, but, uh, yeah, I – oh, we do, but we don't have SCART. Huh. How about that? Hmm. I'm guessing Sparky's talking about Australia. Mm-hmm. No SCART in Australia. That's like all the perks. But, uh, anyway <laughs> – um, so yeah, I got it set up. There's a little bit of a delay, but again, I had to do something called upgrading from windows seven to windows seven service pack mm-hmm. one, which if you're like me, like an idiot and you've never done that before, you're like, Oh, well, how long could this take? Mm-hmm. Beat Ikaruga in the time <laughs> I was waiting for it to download. And then I beat, uh, I think Contra three. I've been practicing Contra three for retro game night this week. Cause I think How's I'm going to do Contra three. Uh, Contra Hardcore, all right, and probably Contra Rebirth on the wow. uh, on the Wii. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I've got all that. Uh, I I did get the normal game capture HD. Now I do. Tiger Claws asking about this. I do know the HD sixty does allow you to do ten eighty p sixty frames. However, as he points out, it only supports HDMI. That's not that big a deal. I have an upscaler for VGA and um, component that upgrades it to 720p HDMI, and it does it in the right way. It's a it's a good powered upscaler I bought from Japan a little while back, um, and I confirmed yesterday it works gorgeously with my Wii. Um, but <laughs> the catch is um, a lot of your retro consoles, you're going to want to do S-Video for the best quality. Uh, that's especially your Nintendo consoles. And uh, Genesis, there's not really a good one. There's a really easy SCART cable, but I don't have a good way to ex- extract RGB. I'll be looking into that. But anyway, uh, I wanted those abilities because while I like my Elgato for modern stuff, um, I definitely needed it to be able to work with um, old school games. Uh, already some early tests show that the capture is ridiculously sharp compared to the one I'm doing with this dongle here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got Sony Vegas Suite. Uh, it's now called Sony Picture Suite or whatever, Movie Maker Suite. And it's able to upscale 480p. So 
with the sharper image plus the upscale to 720p, I'll be good. But for those higher res videos that I'm putting out now, the benefit is only that it looks better when it's smaller. I know most people are still watching these on cell phones and stuff and are not going to watch them in <laughs> 720p or 1080p. But at least you have that option if you have them. Uh, anyway, with all that in mind, I have, uh, unless there was anything else you want to talk about, I wanted to make a couple of announcements and then we'll jump into our show. No, no, we'll just, let's, let's move on. So. All right. Champ's like, I'm done with this fucking capture oh. shit. Uh, <laughs> but on the plus side of the capture shit, so I've got some fun stuff. So first of all, Jam and I are asking for your help, fellow listeners, live chatters, those of you who download the podcast or those of you who just casually popped around on Gaming History 101. Uh, we um, have been able to, thanks to all of you and the community's donations, um, been able to... Uh, pay for the entire year of Gaming History 101, serving, hosting, podcast hosting, and ad-free because I build this in WordPress because I'm not talented enough to learn <laughs> HTML, CSS myself. <clears throat> We've been able to do it all free of charge, ad-free. And while I'm not going to sit here and be an idiot and claim in any way, oh, how good is the capture? No drops in frame rate. Nope, it's pretty rock solid. Uh, no drops in frame rate. Uh, however, um, there were some sync issues with audio that I need to tweak with it, but I did no settings. I was doing out of the box and it's probably not ready to go out of the box. Um, meaning software settings, not hardware settings. There's no hardware to set up. Um, anyway, um, and so on that note, uh, we are not going to integrate ads or tell you to buy, you know, insert, you know, just go to blank, blank.com forward slash GH one Oh one and sign up for a free trial today. We're not going to have you shop your Amazon for us. These are all good ways to generate revenue, but I don't think it really fits with what we're trying to do here. So <clears throat> while this is no threat whatsoever, um, we're trying not to pay out of pocket for the hosting of this stuff. And so we're hoping if anybody can, um, if you could, uh, for the next like six weeks, we're doing a fundraiser. We're going to try to raise the money so that we can pay off another, uh, another year. And just so we have full disclosure, um, we don't have very expensive hosting fees. I want to say it's $15 a year for the site. It's another $30 to remove the ads. And I want to say it's $90 for the podcasting for a year. So we're really only trying to raise like 140 bucks, and we've made that before. And again, we have been able to do this behind the scenes for the last year and a half, but I've never really pushed donations, and they've kind of tapered off a little bit. So if possible... Around this time, don't feel obligated in any which way, and no changes will come to the site, uh, regardless of what we get. If you think about it, just go to GamingHistory101.com. There's a little donate button. Pop that on there. Send us a couple bucks. Then we can keep it free, and Jam and I can go back to not being paid for this and entertaining everybody, which is really what this is all about. So if you can, it would be appreciated. Don't feel obligated. It's just asking. Um, on that same note, we are going to give to you some things, uh, to be positive about though. Uh, in the future, I'm going to be having some giveaways and things like that. As you can tell, uh, we're up in our A game on the video capture stuff. Uh, I've been talking to Jam offline. We're going to try to get him some stuff because I'd love to see what he has to offer. Plus, we have different libraries back and forth. And I want to know what you have to say about games, Mr. Jam Elias. Um, <laughs> like when you're playing them. I want to see what you, I don't know what you're like as like an actual in the cut gamer. You know what I mean? It's, it's probably quite an interesting experience, especially when alcohol is exactly. involved. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm looking for. Um, so we've got stuff like that. Uh, but uh, in addition, we're going we're gonna to up our game a little bit more in that um, I'm hoping 
Got a couple weeks to find out, but I'm hoping to have t-shirts available. Sweet. Gaming History 101 t-shirts. Right now, the preliminary price for a t-shirt is going to be 14 to $16. It will not be hosted on our site. I am not smart enough, nor am I going to buy volume and inventorize enough to do it. But yeah, 14 16 bucks. I think that's going to be pretty good. Jam, I apologize. I don't know what shipping's like to the UK, but I do know they provide it. Um, I'm basically going to start off with a couple of designs of like, you know, the Gaming History 101 logo. Thank you, Jason, on the front and like the Know Your Roots on the back. But I am thinking about some other fun choice phrases that we've had over the years. (laughs) So anyway, we will do stuff like that. (laughs) But but, uh, those will hopefully go live. And I think the kickback's like a buck. But any ones you buy there, we can use it towards the hosting fees and the fundraising and whatnot as well. the other thing is uh, we are going – I'm going to be doing a couple of special programs. First of all, Jam and I next week are going to be doing uh, – you guys asked for it – Top Scores Volume 2, which is a music episode. And uh, that mm-hmm. music episode is going to be played here. It's going to be pre-recorded just so we know everything's in tip-chop shape and we have no screw-ups. Uh, <laughs> but Jam and I will be – or at least I will be. I'm guessing you will be too present for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh. so we'll be here. Uh, be we'll here. just be chatting at the same time. Yeah, I am really thinking about the Snowflake shirt, but I think it does have to be a PP shirt. So we'll <laughs> we'll talk off the air for it. <laughs> Maybe I can use the same vendor. Um, so that's going to be coming, and that actually ties into an email we got last weekend like an idiot from Andrew. Uh, like an idiot, I forgot to read it. But it touches on this very subject uh, although it does relate somewhat to the Spyro uh, podcast. So let me start with that real quick. He says, mm-hmm. um, he says, comment, subject is one more thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, here we go. Here we go. Sorry, it was two emails. Here we go. So he says he says this based off of uh, Spyro. He goes, comment, great job covering the trilogy and even greater job leaving it at that. You did not miss the important things, the ones you did. Well... I don't mind. <laughs> that, okay. that, that I really like to hear, actually, because I was scared going into it since we weren't familiar with it and we didn't have that nostalgia yeah, yeah. that we wouldn't do it justice. So anyway, I find it funny how you mentioned not being able to appreciate the games due to not being there. Funny. He mentions it. Uh, <laughs> I played the trilogy between the ages of 21 and 22 quite recently, yeah. and I absolutely love them. Big fan of 3D platformers, great art direction, great music, and I couldn't agree with him more. And the GH release of Spyro 1 supports the mighty analog stick. Look at it as karmic oh. punishment for choosing the digital way over the good old hard copy. Yeah, he's sure. right, though. Yeah. I did play it, yeah. <laughs> and when he says GH, he means greatest hits, just in case people mm-hmm. don't know. Or the platinum hits, whatever it is in your area. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did not know Mark Cerner actually contributed something substantial to Spyro or Crash, seeing him as only the unimportant man with the big ego. But now... After learning what you said in the episode, Insomniac wanted to go with a realistic medieval, let's just say it, ugly route. And Mark Cerny is the man to convince them to choose cute and cartoony. I love cute and cartoony. So long live Mark Cerny. Uh, And I have to say that at that point. I think people don't realize that Mark Cerny was more of like, he's like a creative in that he doesn't really come up with the ideas. But he tells you kind of what is going to catch a certain aesthetic. 
he's more of a consultant, actually, I would look at it, and especially in the cases of Crash and Spyro. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. concerning the music, I, you used appropriate tracks at the right moments, but the files were less than perfect quality. I feel that I have to share my copies with you. Expect some really high-quality <laughs> vis- video, uh, video game music coming your way soon. Now, on that note, I wanted to point out, first of all, I'm never going to turn down free audio, uh, and especially if it's better quality than mine. However, I did want him to know that those are actually um, High <laughs> the CD audio, uh, which is compressed. Actually, it wasn't the CD audio. It was a soundtrack ripped and converted to 320 kbps audio, but the problem is, is to keep our podcast small and I've always been told you want to keep it small for people downloading on mobile devices. We had to compress it to a very aggravating 56 kbps. So I basically destroyed the quality in compressing the podcast. And on that note, <clears throat> while it's not a whole lot better, uh, because of size requirements and things like that, what I'm planning to do is um, put out the usual version of top scores, which is in the 56 kbps like we did with the original top scores. But then also, and it's still not going to be great, but the better 128 kbps versions, uh, I'm going to find a way to either upload that on the Podbean, have a download link on the post on GH101, or upload it to the WordPress. Jam and I have come nowhere near like 97% of our storage space on there, so <laughs> we can <laughs> safely host it. And Jam, those were the versions I gave to you. Jam and I both have... Mm-hmm. The full list done. All of the tracks are ready to go, and yep. I've sent them all to Jam. So that quality is what the higher quality one will be. It's not perfect, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why he was not pleased with that. Anyway, he said regarding post insomniac games, they were just childish. What made the original, <laughs> <laughs> what made the original trilogy, trilogy special is that it didn't take care of itself. It didn't take itself too seriously. It made itself. It made fun of itself. It had a really clever sense of humor. It clearly was made by people who wanted to please themselves just as much as the player. Games that followed after that were anything but, even at their best. They had humor, level designs, and story targeted squarely at babies. Play those games if you're a baby. Otherwise, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I... Now, I played and liked the PS2 slash 3 reboot trilogy... Um, it had good art direction and for me, the right atmosphere and style that most, uh, uh, oh, the right atmosphere and style are the most important things in video games. Gameplay coming almost second. The reboot trilogy replaced the platformer roots and featured quite a lot of it. And the final one had quite an enjoyable combat system. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Skylanders is not a Spyro game and I will personally verbally insult anyone <laughs> who claims otherwise. And yes, anthropomorphic animals are the best. Now go and read Commander Kitty. And I love him for the Commander Kitty reference. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, I'm just telling you what uh, the rights say. I'm not saying yes. Spyro is technically a Skylanders IP, but no, it's not a Spyro game by any stretch of the imagination. He also writes in again and says, almost forgot, there's one thing I can say about playing as other characters in Spyro 3. It's the same as playing as Bentley and Murray in the Sly games, which is why it's good. The secondary characters will rarely be as fun as the main character. Oh, Protaga person is actually what he says, which is an awesome word. Uh, the time spent controlling someone else creates a feeling of camaraderie, and that is important because in most action games, you can easily get this feeling of being an ubermensch more powerful and smart than everybody else, and completely unstoppable. 
This is a bad thing, and in my humble opinion, as the very idea of being the only worthwhile person in existence is a very dangerous thought to get implanted in your mind. Supervillains are created that way. <laughs> oh, and if you're feeling extra nice, please please consider reading me previously, uh, reading my previously overly long message on the air. Many parts of it I wanted every listener to hear, not just the show host. Exactly. And that's why yeah. I did it. Although I do want to point out, I would have read it on the air, even if he hadn't. Again, it's been pretty clear with some of our listener mail that it wasn't necessarily written to be intended to be read on the air, but it's going to be. So Mr. Man with good taste at yahoo.com. I salute you. I'm glad we uh, did Spyro well. So hopefully that better version will be, um, will be appreciated on the top scores. So you can watch mm-hmm. for that. And then last but not least, and I might make a series out of it, but don't quote me on that yet. Uh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. My brother-in-law showed off, and I put it on our Facebook and the Twitter. So it's facebook.com forward slash GH101 podcast. You can see he found a opened but mint never played copy, boxed mm-hmm. complete version of Conquer's Bad Fur Day in his basement. So we are going to bust the cherry on this bad boy, and I'm going to beat it in one day. And we're going to capture everything. I'm trying to figure out if we're going to Twitch or capture. I think we're just going to capture. And he is a great troll, so he's going to make a lot of funny commentary. And then I'll probably release those, but the first thing I want to do is edit them down into like a one-hour kind of like retro game master kind of thing and release that. So... We're going to record that a week from yesterday, um, and it'll probably come out sometime that week. I'll have all next week off of work, so hopefully sometime during that week I can get with Vegas and do it. But it's going to be rummaging through probably roughly 10 to 12 hours of footage, and we're going to take notes, but uh, it's going to be rough putting it all together. This may take longer than I ever wanted it to. Uh, the other thing I'm doing is I am doing uh, gameplay comparison videos for that and the Xbox version now that I have them. Yeah. And a little mild history video. It'll probably be about five minutes long. Uh, that'll go live on GH101 or on the, the uh, YouTube.com forward slash VGPTGS. That should be going live sometime probably by the end of this week. So something to think about. But all that stuff coming your way for free. We also do not have ads on our YouTube except for the couple of places where YouTube will not allow me to turn it off. But I am not a partner. I do not get ad revenue for any of my impressions, and I never will. Um, so, anyway. Uh, Jam, did you get a chance to check out the new intro I put on the on the Gaming History 101? Like the uh, the fuzzy TV yeah, that was great. Yeah. Does that look good? I couldn't tell if that was good or not. I, I artificially created it, but anyway, uh, it got cut off a little bit and I didn't know how to do transitions at that time. I have taught myself a little bit more with Vegas, so this week it'll be a little better, but <laughs> that was on the, uh, Slasher X video, wasn't it? The, yes, yes. That video I had captured a long time ago, but mm-hmm. my editing software could not handle 1080p video. And I didn't want to downscale it to 640 or 480p, so I just waited till I had Vegas, but I had to wait for it to arrive in the mail. So there you go. Anyway, all right. After all that, we're going to do a couple of quick news stories and get into this fucking show. <laughs> I was going to say, we're not doing so bad because we started late. So we started of like course, 12 yeah, minutes yeah. late, but anyway. Absolutely. Ah, we're just taking around. <laughs> so, Mr. Jam. You were particularly <laughs> pleased telling me about this first story. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be saying particularly pleased, but I, I was listening to you on the BT the other week and um, seeing how well you were arguing with um, 
it's Ali, wasn't it? I, keep, I get them mixed up as well. <laughs> this is bad. Um, with um, Super, how much you like Super Smash Brothers, um, of course. Well, or how much you don't like it, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you'll be pleased to know that they have made an unofficial remake port of Smash Brothers on the Ti. Uh, hold on, I've lost Ti eighty three eighty four calculator. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it might make it more pleasing. I just wish we had shit like that around when I was using TI-85. Yeah. Like, nowadays, they know it's all in the cell phones. It was a big deal back then because it was basically your cell phone gaming before mm-hmm. cell phones. Uh, so, anyway. Yay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's damn impressive that people are doing this. <laughs> but it's the... I'm not quite sure, like... Why? Why they're doing it towards the, this sort of technology? But but you know, for all the power to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but it's crazy to see what people can do. I know. Like, yeah. Frankly, um, watching a lot of this reverse engineer stuff. Uh, actually, uh, two things I want to mention. One person said it in the chat real quick. Did you see that Conkers wrote to me? The official yeah. Conquer Twitter, King <laughs> Conquer sixty four. If you check my my Twitter feed at yeah. Spiders Venom, yeah, King Conquer sixty four took that post and said, cool. <laughs> so I retweeted it, of course. But uh, um, the other thing I was going to point out was uh, um, I love the internet. I got a uh, video thing on mine for the Wolfenstein version thing. I don't know oh, if yeah. you saw this, but the, the comment was so internet. It was like, yeah, um, you probably should have mentioned that Wolfenstein on Genesis was a homebrew game and not a fucking release. Just saying. <laughs> and I wrote a comment that said, well, in the description, when I said, now most of you savvy to retro games will probably say, but Wolfenstein didn't come out on the Genesis. It was fortunately ported over by homebrewers. And then I wrote, in addition, I mentioned it a dozen times on the video at least. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to make too fine a point on it, but please either read the description or watch a fraction of the video before commenting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, he wrote me a personal message that says you didn't have to be a dick. Well, <laughs> actually, at that point, you kind of gave me open way to do so. <laughs> Charming. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So uh, and, and people are kind of talking in the chat. The other cool thing is I'm going to try to set it up, but I did get the retro thing. So I will be capturing Conkers off of s video <laughs> uh if it was released on virtual console which i know it won't be because of microsoft no. i would have gladly been able to capture it in 720p off of my wii uh and uh for reasons you'll see in the video i did not think live and reloaded was the same as playing bad fur day there are many differences to the games um and uh they don't make up for it so anyway so it's going to be an S video, but it's going to be captured in 640 and up res to 720. It should look pretty good. Definitely better than anything I've put live other than the, the most recent video. So there you go. Uh, and, uh, my brother-in-law is quite the fucking dick. He's going to be awesome for this. So <laughs> he always just watches me game. He is also going to have a 720p digital camera where he can take video of me to make fun of me anytime he wants to. Um, and I might clip those in as well. So anyway. <clears throat> but uh um yeah so so yeah anyway back to super smash brothers yay i'm just not a smash brothers fan i can tell <laughs> what i am a fan of yeah um is uh a- nes hd modification kits Woo! uh 
solders into any NES console and creates an onboard HDMI outpoint of 480p to 1080p on NES consoles. Game-tech.us is offering both the kit and installation if need be. Currently, the kit is 150 bucks. That's a little too pricey for me. And if you should want it installed, which they do not yet offer, the installation is expected to be about 100 bucks. What I found interesting was this site also had a great resource for TG16 modding, <laughs> which can add LED logos for your TurboGrafx-16 model so that when you turn it on, the LED of the TurboGrafx-16, he puts in a TurboGrafx-16 LED that glows. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 25 bucks, he can add co- a composite video out, which is what I've been looking for all over the place, for 25 bucks. And he can even add a region switch, which switches between PC Engine and American for 50 bucks, which means I don't have to worry about if my adapter ever craps out on me, which is huge. Mm. So I'm hoping to do this at some point and do the full $100 modification on my TG16. But he did say he's inundated with orders, so it may be a while. But eh. uh, anyway, he's also got some other cool stuff. If you're interested, he can add composite video to various other things including a jaguar but i've got an s video cable for my jaguar so i'm okay and fortengard is probably at this moment typing in how stupid it would be that you would ever want to play a jaguar anyway so (laughs) i respect that oh it's coming the hate mail (laughs) (laughs) but you know what else is 150 bucks is a retron 5 and if i care that much i think it's close enough to say retron 5 is okay but then it really is bleeding the lines of emulation but my thoughts on emulation are starting to shift a little bit Mm mm-hmm as long as it feels right. Uh, I got a buddy who's got a Retron 5. He's going to come visit me uh, from out of town, and he said he'll bring it with him because he wants to show it to me. Um, I'm going to plug a Nintendo controller in and see if I can get it to feel right. Um, I know the emulation is spot on, so if it can do that, um, it might solve a lot of my problems. So mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. Well, Jam, are you ready to talk about the topic at hand? Yeah. I'm, I'm good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been waiting all night. All right, let's talk about vaporware games. Games that we never thought would come out and then did. <laughs> Everybody knows the elusive vaporware games that didn't come out, such as Mario's Wacky Worlds or Sonic Extreme. But what about those games that did come out? So, Jam, when I ask you about vaporware games that first come out, what uh, what's the first game everyone's going to come to probably right off the bat? Well, before I even looked at the notes, I was going to say Duke Nukem Forever, but mm-hmm. that's probably... <laughs> yeah. In fact, I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, yeah, today we're doing Vaporware. She asks me while we're eating. Uh, of course. She goes, uh, I was like, yeah, we're doing Vaporware games that uh, actually came out. She goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, remember that Duke Nukem Forever game? And she goes, oh, you mean that thing that was in development for like 15 years that you said finally <laughs> came out and you made a big deal out of it and got drunk on camera for? I was like, yeah, that. And she goes, yeah, okay. And I was like, yeah, it's basically games like that where we never thought they'd come out and then they did. She goes, oh, is that a good topic? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it's a great topic. Yeah, I do too, actually. Um, But I don't know how it'll go. So let's see. (laughs) And Fortingard did uh, give a great PSA in the chat. This is why you need to be here live, people. Allgames.com, 7 p.m. Tuesdays. Anyway, um, so there's Duke Nukem Forever, the 15-year development cycle of a game we never imagined would come out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Jam, how familiar were you with dnf before i think right around 2000 and what was it nine when they ceased production of it and even in 07 when a lot of the media blitzes started happening and we were more of an online culture that was a big deal but predating those were you really aware of dnf for its development or kind of what was going down 
I remember seeing it advertised in magazines. Uh, I remember, I remember <laughs> when it was in the official PlayStation Two magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was rumored to be yes, coming out the was. system. I even, yeah, I remember seeing screenshots for it. There was a specific screenshot where it was like in the Western area, which never even came into the final game. Um, this is obviously this wasn't right at the beginning of the infancy of the because um, obviously Duke of Forever goes back what goes way back um, into, mm-hmm. in terms of development. So this was um, and I I didn't really I mean even when you looked at these screenshots back then they weren't that impressive. It was clearly for then a game that was you know barely made really. They only had one or two screenshots anyway. Um, and this was with the new 3D engine as well, not the one that was used for Duke of 3D. Sort of yes. The... Yes, and I've got all that info. We'll get into it in a sec. But yeah. the engine that was used was called the Build Engine, yeah, uh, appropriately named for Duke Nukem 3D. And yeah, and then they grabbed the Quake 2 engine. But that would not be the only engine Duke 3D would get ported <laughs> to, not by damn sight. <laughs> More appropriate to say, what engine didn't he get ported to? But... Yeah, actually, um, Duke Nukem I Forever, I think, is the only game. To simultaneously in development touch all three Unreal Engines. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> now that I think about it. So, um, yeah, I, and I remember those. And then, have you beaten Duke Nukem Forever? <laughs> I have, yeah, now I went for it. <laughs> and so in the credit sequence, you get video and you unlock them permanently. Yeah. This is the only reason to really beat that game. Um, actually, I liked Duke Nukem eh, Forever. I quite yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> um, I think there was a... A misconception, it's my fault for how I phrased it uh, last week, that I don't like Duke Nukem 3D and potentially that I didn't like Duke Nukem Forever. The opposite's actually true. I was smitten with Duke Nukem. I did dial-up one-on-one multiplayer with Duke Nukem Forever. I've got my 500 kills on the 360 version, and um, I, uh, I, I bought Duke Nukem Forever, the Balls of Steel edition, day one on the PlayStation 3 and played through it immediately. So, at launch, I paid $130 for Duke Nukem Forever, okay? I think that puts me uh, right up there with sucker territory in terms of being a fan. (laughs) But uh, those, those release videos were pretty good. But you're right. I mean, they look definitely dated here, but... You'll you'll see when I when I talk about it or when we talk about kind of the development and stuff, um, it blows my mind that uh, that that people were that taken aback by it. Which means there must have been a lot of stuff that looked like shit in you know these old games must have looked really rough before they were ready to go. Which like they would today too, but it's just you know my ability to adjust for PlayStation One games is pretty good. My ability to adjust for PlayStation 1 games that are only, like, in pre-alpha builds is shit. I, I'll never be able to know what that looked like. Mm. So, um, anyway. So, uh, follow-up, uh, the follow-up for this game began, and, and Jam, if you want to, if you've got the, the thing, we can bounce back and forth on these bullet points, but, nope. uh. The follow-up immediately began development after, um, obviously, the popularity of Duke. On April 28th, 1997, director and one of the original creators of Duke, George Broussard, he'll be a very popular guy in the story of Duke Nukem Forever, (laughs) announced the game Duke Nukem Forever. The release date was to be summer 1998 at the latest, according to Broussard. (laughs) Jesus. Yes. So there you go. Sorry, did you want to take the next one, or you want me to just? Oh, sorry, going? no, I was. I thought you, I thought you were still um, building on that point. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that was the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was 
That about sums well, it up. So the original build engine um, for, for Duke Nukem 3D that drove Duke Nukem 3D was an, um, anticipated by at the end of 1996. And uh, was it Broussard? Broussard, yeah. Broussard. Again, I'm terrible with these surnames. <laughs> you could call use... him Brosard if you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Broussard. <laughs> so obviously this is where they get the first engine changed. They decided to shift to um, Id's Quake 2 engine. Well, I'm gonna, you... Sorry, I'm going to correct you just because you may not know this. Um, actually, yeah. they decided against the build engine for the sequel. And instead of building their own, they opted for Quake 2 because Quake Mm -hmm. 2 had just come out and looked pretty good. So, Mm. Sorry, I just wanted to... Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, do you pronounce it id or id? Uh, Id. It's id. No, it's based off of... uh, Actually, uh, what was it? Mark Cerny finally said, yeah, I think it was in 98. He said, no, it's id. It's id software, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 not ID. Although I would never correct someone. Like I've heard developers go ID, and I'm not going to be the dick journalist. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's a loose term, journalist. But I'm not going to be the dick interviewer that's like, uh, excuse me, it's id, okay? <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's id usually. It's it, yeah, so that's what I've been saying originally. But I, I was listening to another podcast from um, Popular Games Site, and they said ID. I was like. Is that the right way to say it? <laughs> yeah, I also heard a popular gaming site claim... Probably the same one. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a very popular gaming site claim some very terrible things, such as the fact that uh, um, they were huge retro shooter fans, and they'd never heard of the, the game Chiller, which is it, it okay. is a rare game. But yeah. then the guy goes... Yeah, and believe it or not, Nintendo ported it onto their console and paid to publish it. No, they didn't. It was an unlicensed game. Nintendo wanted that thing off their fucking console as fast as they possibly could get it off, and they never worked it. But anyway, so yes, major gaming sites like to... uh, Especially one of my favorite ones. I'll just throw them under the bus right now. IGN. I love those guys, and I love what they do, and I think they're one of the few positive like journalistic game sites right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that positivity comes this kind of looseness with the past. And the only reason I actually care is because IGN was like around yeah, when some yeah. of the topics they bring up were around. And so it's okay if you don't know, but then don't go claiming something. You know what I mean? So I hear a lot on their podcast. This was the first yeah. game to no. No, and it's not just me being a, a history snob. It's just like, don't say that. Because then somebody who's really interested will go looking for just that game and they can find other opportunities. Anyway. Because we're nitpickers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, we are. We're retro guys, of course. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Well, so they decided to use um, its Quake 2 engine instead of the high-powered licensing fee attached. Um some rumor that this is as much as half a million dollars. Yeah, that's <laughs> the apparent quote of what they paid for the Quake 2 engine. Jesus, yeah. that's a lot. Um, so Brosnan and, and co-creator Scott Miller decided to self-fund the development due to the large payouts that they are receiving from um, Duke Nukem 3D. 3D. Yeah. Uh, and GT Interactive was, um, was to handle the marketing and publishing. Yep, good old GT Interactive. Mm. There's a name you um, only know from the mid know, 90s yeah. on 16-bit oh. consoles. This is, this is just a nostalgia trip, right? Here. I know, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, in August and September of 1997, PC Gamer released a handful of impressive screens of Duke Nukem Forever. 
mm. despite the fact that 3D Realms had not received the Quake 2 engine yet. <laughs> they didn't get it till November. It turned out these were mock-ups only. And I'm going to piggyback it with this next point, and then I'll let yeah, you yeah. take over. But And then at E3 1998, a demo play, uh, video played of Duke Nukem Forever that had him fighting aliens on the back of a truck in the Quake 2 engine. As Jam and I discussed, this will be the first of the videos you can see upon completing Duke Nukem Forever. It impressed audiences, but behind the scenes, the game was nowhere near complete. It had already uh, missed its original release date deadline, which was at the time of that demo, and had Broussard on edge. Like well, I can imagine. (laughs) And uh, during the early part of 1998, Epic Games had released the Unreal Engine, and it was much better than the wide wide spaces and level designs originally planned for Duke Nukem Forever, each level had a combination of wide spaces to transverse in addition to the traditional linear corridors. So, well, and I remember seeing uh, pictures of this, actually. So where mm. it did have that kind of open area. Um, yeah, and apparently the Quake 2 engine, not very good at that. No. Uh, so, yeah, yeah so... Uh, actually, uh, I hear that Quake 3 Arena was a direct response to really? Unreal uh, Tournament and Engine. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. So, so yeah, as you're saying, Fred, um, the Equator Engine was not so hot at creating such spaces, and many many programs believed that the Unreal Engine was was a better fit. Um, this was the, the, oh god, I'm just oh just no, you're good. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> where was I? The Quake okay. Two Engine. <laughs> this, is bloody, this bloody laptop. Like, like I was saying to you earlier, oh, okay. Fred, I'm do you want okay. me to just uh, yeah, yeah sure, carry on? Yeah, uh, basically, the Quake Two Engine couldn't handle. This yeah. stuff, and you've played Duke Nukem Forever. You know how like there's uh, there are a lot of areas like this where like like the burger joint. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you become small in the burger joint? And yeah. you're going through all the vents, and it's very corridory. But then all of a sudden, you open into the kitchen where you're mm-hmm. jumping all over the place, and you basically traverse that whole area. You know, it's just yeah. this wide open space. But anyway, Quake Two Engine not so hot at that. Uh, it uh, uh, most of the members of uh, 3D Realms at the time, which were roughly 18 of them, believed that the Unreal Engine was a better fit. It was rough on development because it would mean scrapping all of the original assets, all of the modified engine parts that made for a very cool modded version of Quake Two, from what I've heard. And of course, the initial $500,000 investment plus almost two years of development costs. A unanimous vote at 3D Realms had them making the change in June of 1998, just after the E3 demo, and Broussard carelessly claimed that it wouldn't bump development more than six months and that the original footage viewed at E3 would be retained and convert over. Behind closed doors, the team was starting from scratch. And was this not made public at all? This is all just secret. Uh, What was made public was that they were moving engines. Yeah. They did announce that. Uh, it was in an epi- it was in issues of magazines, but that he said, "Oh no, no, we're just you know the game was going to be ready by the end of this year, and this just pushes it like six months. We'll be back at the same spot in six months." Mm-hmm. But it, they were playing it off like it was a conversion. It wasn't a conversion. It was a it was a start over. So two yeah. years in, they had to scrap the whole project. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, do you want me to continue? Do you want to? It's your call. Right. Whatever. Oh, I've, got, I've, got, I've, found, I've found it again. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so by 1999, um, Duke Nukem was a mess, uh, with Brassard having to have no clear vision of what he wanted in the game or what it was to be. Um, every time he saw a new gimmick um, game, bleh, every time he saw a new gimmick game or had a gameplay idea, he would go to 3D Realms and tell them to integrate it into the game, often without any regard to previous work or pending work. 
He even um, greenlit upgrading to the new version of the Unreal Engine. So there's another upgrade there. 1.5, um, yeah. <laughs> 1.5, <laughs> which pushed back current progress even more and was ended to now add an online multiplayer component. Um, <laughs> it was ahead it, of its time, yeah. this game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. To make matters worse, GT Interactive uh, was in financial distress and sold publishing rights to... Um, gathering of developers or gathering which that's why i remember them as yeah um, um and was, whose goals were very pro-independent publisher publisher relations uh, such as like activision has been yeah for those that know activision today you're like uh-huh. what do you mean pro public or pro developer uh activision started in the atari days to give the independent publisher yeah. a voice they were the kickstarter of their day um, except that they didn't crowdfund. But yeah, so Activision was, and, and that's what I heard about Gathering. I know mm-hmm. Gathering is the reason Jazz Jackrabbit came about, which basically gave Cliff the money to start Epic. So, mm. you know, that was a big deal. So, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so fast forward to E3 2001. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those not paying attention, last we heard, Broussard said in June of 98, development had been delayed six months and it should still come out soon. It is now mm-hmm. 2001 summer. Fans were hungry for Duke Nukem Forever. No one had seen anything in three years. And jokes <laughs> of its everlasting development were easy to find. Not to mention it always made Wired's... Uh, did you ever read yep. these? Wired always had their vaporware of the year uh, yep, stuff yeah, after E3 to make fun of the games that are never coming out. Well, it wasn't Wired, but I do remember this being a joke in other magazines. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was an easy joke. Mm. Um, at this point, we should point out it's five years in development now. That was mm-hmm. like unheard of, even at this time. So, um, in this time, Silicon Knights, who we'll bring up later, <laughs> did a lot of games. So, just saying. Um, yep. <laughs> and I should also point out, in this time, Insomniac managed to release, to be founded, <laughs> to release, uh, what is it, Devastator? And the entire yep. Spyro trilogy yep. at the period <laughs> of time of this. So, anyway. Um Broussard, uh, sorry, uh, Broussard decided to come to, with a gameplay video that featured Duke in a Las Vegas-style setting to show off the game's battles, lighting, and interactivity. Uh, yet again, its cutting-edge look and feel stole the show, and people couldn't stop bragging about it. Now, this video's on there, too, and i got to be honest with you. I know you probably don't think it looked good, Jam, but that looked really good for the time. Like, Oh, no, no, for the time, yeah, absolutely. If you compare that to, like, launch PS2, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. But uh, anyway... Uh, back at 3D Realms, however, Broussard had no true direction for the game, <laughs> what it was going to be, how it was going to progress, and when it would be gearing into release. Stories that later came out suggest that he was still throwing a bunch of ingredients in the pot. Gathering had also been forced to shudder, probably unrelated to Duke, aside from not being able to generate the revenue they were hoping to receive from the, from the property. And publishing rights moved to parent company Take-Two Interactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, well... well- what I was going to say was this was this the trailer with the kind of this was the 3D sort of modeling and they oh, well yeah is that one where it was all just cluttered where it had all different sort of set pieces and it was yes and actually that mod I've got that modifies yeah. Duke Nukem 3D that's the one yeah recreates yeah. this demo so yeah yeah, yeah. I remember being this I remember being quite this it looked intriguing but then when you really thought about it when you, and if you actually go back and look at it now you can really tell that what were they going to do with this game in terms well, what of what is this game we yeah, saw exactly. it on the back of a truck in the desert and now you're in mm. vegas and it was everywhere in terms it's of- on unreal 2 like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> 
<laughs> actually, Unreal 2 was just coming out. I think everybody was waiting to see if they would actually go for it. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, and then so, we, we go two more years without anything. Until... Two, yeah, two more years, yeah. <laughs> a still missing Duke Nukem Forever was jostled again when Take-Two announced a $5.5 million write-off on earnings due to its long development time. Since 3D Realms was self-funding, there was little pressure from the publishers aside from hopeful plans to market and make money on it. Uh, Brassard, I'm surprised he's still the project at this stage. But, well, he's paying uh, for it, so you can do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, it's literally out of, of his pocket, so. Uh, he uses an excuse to uh, further delay uh, and, then, uh, and then announcing that they uh, could do whatever they want and hopefully Duke will arrive in 2004. Or maybe 2005. <laughs> <laughs> and again, for those conspiracy theorists out there, you can go look it up. There's a lot of articles that are interestingly about the reason why Broussard was doing this. And apparently yeah. there was like all kinds of claims of money laundering and shady shit really? going on. And yeah, yeah, there was a lot of crazy shit. Or like his plan was that the game never existed. They just want to build up enough perk to eventually sell it to sell the IP to somebody and make a ton of money because they had no idea what to do with it. That's the, the, the rumor. But anyway, speaking of rumors, in 2005, <laughs> yep. a rumor came out with no more no, with more no-shows that suggested that Duke Nukem Forever had moved to the Doom 3 <laughs> engine, which actually ended up being false, although there was a new middleware physics engine that did get purchased and integrated. Take-Two Interactive, clearly worried about the state of the game, showed off the previously canceled and 11 years in development in its wow. own right, 3D Realms title Prey, which would actually come out a year later in 2006 at an E3 press event and was rumored to feature that was rumored to feature Duke Nukem Forever. So what they did was take yeah. two cent out of thing that says, come to this E3 press event. We're not going to tell you what we're showing off, but it's developed by 3d realms. And of course, everybody thinks they're going to see Duke Nukem Forever. They end up seeing prey, which they didn't even know existed anymore. Uh, yet again, it was a no show and take two not only dropped its publishing fee from 6 million to 425 million or 4.25 million, but offered a $500,000 <laughs> bonus. If the game could come out by 2006, Broussard ignored the offer stating he would never ship a game early and continued on. <laughs> um, here, I'll just Sorry. jump into this second one real yeah, quick, yeah, and then we'll it, do yeah. 2007. And then in January 2006, Broussard claimed that all the assets of the game were finished and the 3D Realms was simply assembling everything to make it into a game. Demos and gameplay from the year told a different tale of pathetic game states, poor optimization, and basically consisted of Broussard apologizing repeatedly for the current build throughout the whole demo. E. So best to put this into perspective, um, this is 2006. So the, this is free, the 360 is out, basically. <laughs> the 360 is out. PC gaming looks amazing. Mm. And I might add, um, this game is officially 10 years in development. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so moving on just a year later, by 2007. Just a year, by these <laughs> standards. But more than half, more than half the team had left due to the delays and uh, lack of new projects and bonus income, which is not surprise. I'm actually surprised again. A lot of them they hung on really that long. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, though, uh, when um, when new creative director uh, is it Raphael Van Van Lerup? Lerup. Yeah, I think I think you got it. I didn't spell that out when I was pulling notes, Lerup? but yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds uh, right. <laughs> Check the state of the game, and he found it was completely playable and probably ready to wrap up. Um, Brassard responded with a gruff two-year delay minimum on the game. <laughs> yeah, he said, oh, it's at least two years <laughs> yeah. out. 
which which again backs up this theory that he wasn't really yeah. he didn't think the game was going to be good and he was probably trying to find ways to perk up and sell the IP versus actually mm. he knew that once people played it they were going to be like what a heck of shit. Mm. So, anyway. So um, yeah. So I guess continuing to late 2007, more media bound to hit involving you forever and continued through 2008 with little media and assets uh, to bits uh, being shown as well as um, more hiring, more hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was this the completion? Not really, because by 2009, Brassard and Miller had spent 12 years and more than 20 million dollars <laughs> developing Genie Forever and the money dried up finally. Yeah. <laughs> so. So they had asked Take Two for six million dollars to complete the project, which was counter-offered at two point five million dollars. And upon that rejection, development halted completely. So this was kind of like, I guess, was this like the first time they kind of that was when uh, they announced, "Up, oh, yeah. Duke Nukem Forever is finally dead." Remember all the finally, headlines? Yeah. yeah, I remember that because websites were prevalent at that point. Mm. We should point out that at this point, Grand Theft Auto 4 is about to come out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think several Grand Theft Auto the, games the have The entire come out. <laughs> run of Grand Theft Auto had come out in the time this was in development. And I don't even want to talk about what Insomniac's resume was doing at that point. <laughs> they already had Ratchet. Both Ratchet and Resistance yeah. Fall of Man had come out. <laughs> but uh, anyway... Uh, 3D Realms had completely laid off its staff and released a bunch of assets as a goodbye letter until Take-Two Interactive sued 3D Realms for not completing the game as per the contract. It was a mm-hmm. violation of the contract they purchased for $12 million and the game had never come out. Oddly enough, Miller responded by saying that it was never... Oh, yeah. So basically, the first thing they said was, Hey, well, we didn't make any of that money that you paid, so why are you holding us accountable? And then they came back because their lawyer probably was like, idiot, that doesn't change anything. And they said, oh, we never really said that they were, that we were stopping development altogether. Uh, we're just in the process of hiring an outside company to complete the game. And then there was a settlement out of court and the case was dismissed. Uh, real quick, former 3D Realms developers continued to work on Duke Nukem Forever out of their homes, forming an independent wow. developer called <laughs> Triptych. And eventually approached Gearbox about completing the game. Apparently at that time they showed Randy Pitchford, CEO of Gearbox, a nearly complete build that needed a few tweaks and lots of optimization and polish. Gearbox agreed to fund the development of finishing the game and Gearbox publisher 2K would extend their publishing to Duke. Rights were purchased. Announcements were made at PAX Prime 2010. I was at that PAX. I remember that announcement. Yeah. And the game was given a firm 2011 release date. What was cool about this, actually, that I want to point out, was yeah. I was at PAX, and they announced it. I remember them announcing it, like, the night before PAX started or the night of the first night because PAX, like, starts on a Friday. It was either Thursday night or Friday night they announced it. And then they said that they would have demos there. They had demos ready to show off. And I remember getting the press hour Saturday morning. You had that one hour, the running of the nerds Uh being like, Oh fuck, I have to hurry (laughs) if I'm going to get my hands on Duke. And it was, it was not to be the lines were over four hours long. Press couldn't sneak in line. And the press hour line was like two hours long. So I was shit out of luck. Yeah. I never did play a demo of this game before it came out. Anyway, uh, demos were shown off. Additional demos were given out as cross promotion with Borderlands Game of the Year edition. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Anybody yeah, bought I got that? This version. Okay, yeah. 
So what did you think of that demo? (laughs) It was delayed in the UK. Of course it was. It was. (laughs) So they all like you got. It's really cool little bit of paper as well. I still have it in my copy of uh, Borderlands Game of the Year edition. It's like a little like a dollar sheet, and it says that you are welcome. You know, you're invited to the you know, the the the, de- the early demo, and that that was just never meant to be. And it's like an apology. Um, Gearbox sent out. I guess I think they sent you out additional. I think they said you can claim the first map pack for free of Duty Forever. So they have a mod. Obviously, had the multiplayer in it because it. it oh my god! There was a fucking map pack. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> anyway, uh, I did forget about that game right after it came out, but uh, mm-hmm. right after I beat it. But anyway, uh, and despite a one month delay near the end of development of the game, it finally came out in June 2011 worldwide. <laughs> Yeah, it's all as, yeah simultaneously as well. Yes, I mean there was like a week in between, but yeah. Mm. And I think you guys got it first. I think you guys got it June tenth. Really? Yeah, I think you guys got it first. Um, so, Jam, <laughs> how how was Duke's release to uh, favor for them? It's really funny actually because I remember. Oh god, because this this actually takes me back. So I remember listening. Yeah, well, to... and just in case, I've got some notes here, but it might not be anything you don't already know. So yeah. I remember listening to um, podcasts about subjects. I remember there's a there's a really this podcast doesn't run anymore. It's like an independent podcast um, by a few guys in the UK. And this guy he did this massive piece for Duke Nukem Forever because he I guess he was a huge Duke fan. And he did like a a five podcast special about the game. And it was so kind of quite sad actually because he kind of like documented his experience playing for the entire campaign. And as you listen to each of the five podcasts, you could just see his. He's just sad as degrading and like how he was desperately trying to sort of say how much he liked the game, but he, even he was really struggling. He should have done He's what I like, did. Have you seen yeah. mine, the videos of me getting yeah, drunk through yours, it yeah. tonight? There you <laughs> That's go. That's brilliant. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Red Bull and my, vodka. Yay. My last podcast, he's just like, so yeah, I finished Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, he, he becomes president. Yay. <laughs> It's just like it's like his whole his whole enthusiasm had gone. It was it was just yeah. You you waited so long, and then you had more Duke than you could ever imagine, and yeah. you were just done. Uh, I gotta give the game credit though; its boss battles were pretty yeah. good. Uh, people who weren't used to the round robin boss battle games probably had a problem with it. But you did not play a first person shooter in the '90s without knowing how to round robin. You know where you just run around a, a boss shooting him mm-hmm. as you strafe. Um, but uh, anyway, I mean, my biggest problem was I, from a reviewer perspective, and at that point I was hardcore into reviews. From a reviewer perspective, it was a shit game. From mm-hmm. a gameplay perspective, from a nostalgic perspective, I liked it for being a Duke game. And it was mm-hmm. just that. Yeah. Um, I still like a lot of that. I still, I have fond memories of the underwater level, and that was probably a terrible level. It's funny for me because I, I actually hated the beginning of Duke forever for some reason. I just didn't get into it to start with. But then once I got over that kind of initial section, I, I actually really enjoyed it just to the rest of the game. I think if you just take it what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess from a, cause obviously we're both heavily into retro gamers. And if you, if you play this game knowing the history of all this work that's gone into this game and stuff like that, it's quite a fascinating experience seeing it finally actually be you know actually have something being able to play through it well and i think somebody came out i think it was uh what's his face that that guy who you you barely knew his name um who is that creative Uh, director (laughs) Raphael von lirop uh he said that dudenkum forever that came out was pretty much the same game he played in 07 really yeah Yeah. pretty much yeah so 
didn't look as good or anything, but it was the exact same assembly of, of what mm. happened. Yeah. So, um, although there are rumors that what's its face, uh, that strip club scene was changed significantly <laughs> thanks to Randy and the boys. But anyway, yeah. all right, well, let's move on to a non Duke Nukem game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Alan Wake, here was a game for a long time. People didn't think was actually going to come out. Now, do you remember Alan Wake? When yeah, it was in I development? Yeah, yeah I, I, I do. Yeah. yeah, I do love this game, but there was a time where people really didn't think this game was going to come out. Mm. It was only in development for five years, which seems relatively short. But well, it's still long for a game. I mean, that's the problem. Is Duke Nukem Forever really kind of uh, makes it kind of seem like you know. Yeah, realize it sets the bar that, yeah. high. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, the um, five is a while. I mean, that's that's all, that's a console generation, pretty much. Yeah, and there are other games that are five. In fact, this is probably the shortest development time for all of these. But again, if you were around at that time and tracking Alan Wake's development, there were many times where people were, were like, "I mean, we didn't see this game for quite a few years." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and actually, it's more like six years for this one. But anyway, developer Remedy, makers of Max Payne one and two, may be mm-hmm. good at making games and complex stories, but they kind of <laughs> suck at deadlines. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by the way, aren't isn't there an Xbox One game supposed to be coming out soon? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I was about to mention uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. <clears throat> Originally conceived in 2004 as a thriller with a heavy focus on story, the game started life as an open-world game a la GTA when it was announced in 2005. Um, Anyway, after a partnering deal with Microsoft Game Studios, the game became an Xbox 360 and Games for Windows Live or Vista PC-exclusive title. Didn't know that. Yeah. Real-life models, and uh, which they use real-life people to model everybody in Alan Wake. Uh, and, and the facial recognition and graphics and stuff were really good in that game, uh, for that time. Um, uh, and the change to make it a more Twin Peaks-esque and linear experience caused the delayed, caused it to be delayed for quite some time. It's not heard about again until 2009. After a full five years of development, Remedy drops the PC version to focus exclusively on the 360 version mm-hmm. and plan to release it at the end of the year. Alan Wake finally sees release in May 2010 after almost six years of development and would eventually release on PC in early 2012. Additional DLC packs released after the game in 2010. It was already included in the PC version when it released. Uh, Closed the story more completely, suggesting that perhaps Remedy released the game with a false cliffhanger only to release the game's full circle after the fact. At the same time, and while the two DLC packs appear to be canonical by both fans and Remedy, uh, the gameplay drastically changes in those two extra episodes, which suggests that perhaps the story was already set in place, but not the gameplay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, I remember waiting forever for Alan Wake, but when it came out, it was a no-brainer to go pick it up. Yeah, no, I I thought this game was fantastic. I still do. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it definitely yeah. has that um, remedy feel to it because it's got like kind of waves to Max Payne gameplay in it. Mm-hmm. With the whole like collecting the like the batteries and the the ammo and everything. Obviously, it doesn't have the gun play in it or the yeah you know, the bullet it time. It has some or... of it. Yeah, that's but... that, yeah, that's a weird dodge thing, doesn't it? Where you have to dodge fast the melee attacks and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> well, the other thing is, uh, um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, the other thing that's interesting about uh, Alan Wake is uh, 
the uh, the Night Springs TV show that was that oh yeah. was very yeah. very good. Um, kind of lived with the Max Payne thing. Somehow I recently replayed this game and never reviewed it on the site. I should probably huh. write me yeah. a Max Payne or a Max Payne a uh, Alan, an Alan Wake review. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't do an Alan Wake review. Fuck. Anyway, all right. <laughs> um. I think so, it's interesting that was it the yeah, the follow up to this um, is it American Nightmare that that uh-huh. didn't take very long to come out. In comparison. No, in fact, you would almost think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because they had the engine in place. I get the yeah. feeling the engine was the harder thing than the writing. Uh, Remedy seems to me to be a development studio that's better at writing than it is at development. Yeah, uh, like engine development. I'm guessing their writers are better than their developers. So, anyway. Sorry, not developers. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you know what I mean. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, so next up is Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl. Now, Jam, have you ever played Stalker? I, I haven't, no. This is, one I'm, this is one that's kind of off my radar. I'm aware of the game. I know okay. about it. Um, but no, I haven't played this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing this game, but uh, mm-hmm. like you, I, I have not played this game. Um, I own it, though. I have them all on Steam. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl announced in November 2001 and released... Uh, uh, sorry. Announced mm-hmm. in 2001 and set to release in 2003, developer GSC Game World kept pushing back the release, but uh, let loose tons of media for fans and even invited a local, local Kiev residents to come and check the game out. So they were very open about, no, we're really working on this game. It's not just going to float. Uh, and in December 2003, the first alpha leaked on peer-to-peer servers and showed off an impressive game, although it lacked NPCs and enemies. Uh-huh. Uh, publisher THQ announced in 2005 <laughs> <laughs> wow. they were hoping to see its release for the 2006 fiscal year, which was October 2005 at the earliest. And then at the beginning of uh, 2006, they announced that it would still be another year yet, coming out no earlier than October 2006. In January 2007, THQ, uh, feeling very good about the the end of the development, uh, ran a contest allowing winners to play the beta of Stalker for 24 hours straight, which then got trimmed to 12 hours just before the event. And then on the morning of the event, January 24th, 2007, THQ announced that they had no game in-house and nothing to play. <laughs> oh, Wow. At the same time, by February, a public beta released, and by March, there was a multiplayer demo available. Huh. <laughs> then on March 2nd, 2007, the game went gold and eventually released on March 23rd in Europe, June in Japan, and we, for a change in America, had to wait till mm. October. How much you want to bet that was American publishers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, as a follow-up, GSC released by popular demand an original 2004 build that featured the complete uh, that featured a completely completely different build of the game, labeled the 1935 build that had a different physics engine, many cut enemies, and is significantly larger than the release game, albeit at the sacrifice of stability. Mm-hmm. So it's this massive version of the game. Yeah, I've always wanted to check that out. But again, I think I've got to experience the original game in order to yeah, yeah. compare it. But I remember this game is, is uh, don't look forward to Stalker. If you're too much of a bitch for Dark Souls, you have no chance in hell of liking Stalker. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> First of all, I'm not too much of a bitch for Dark Souls, Mr. Fortingard. 
I just don't want to dedicate the time to it. And yes, I understand that that is incredibly true of Stalker as well. Maybe it's about time I dedicated the time to both. Not now, it can't but be soon. that bad. It yeah. can't be like Dark Souls. No way. <laughs> but Actually, I have heard it is. Pat, really? <laughs> yeah, and I know Fortingard hates every time I bring him up. But Pat Klepik uh, <laughs> <laughs> did go into Stalker full board just saying, let's see what this game's all about. And he quit pretty quick. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And again, Fortingard will say he's a bitch, and that's probably true. But he got paid to try Stalker. I'm not getting paid to try it. And so I just assumed he would stick with it longer than he did. And he tolerates games I fucking hate, like uh, Outlast. (laughs) 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 And Amnesia. (laughs) And insert just walk around and hide here game. So, anyway... All right, Mr. Jam Elias, are you familiar with the little game that had a lot of recreations known as Resident <laughs> Evil 4? <laughs> no, what is this phrase? <laughs> guards like, no, no, no he's not even being condescending. He's just like, well, before that statement, but uh, he was just like, no, Jam, you have no idea. <laughs> know, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I know, right? That that's, It almost seems like a challenge, one that I will never live up to, but, you know. Um, anyway, um, so let's talk about Resident Evil 4, mm-hmm. a game that was, uh, that was stuck in development hell for quite some time. Now, yeah. uh, I, I wrote an article about this, but I acknowledge that many people who listen to the podcast probably have not read the article. Are you pretty familiar with the development of this? Yeah, no, there's, like you said, for, like you've mentioned... Like, why don't you take lead on this one is basically what I'm suggesting. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, I'm not too familiar with the dates, but I'm sure you'll probably correct me on that. Um, but the... I do I remember, I do remember the original... Well, the, I, I think it goes back to a trailer, doesn't it, originally for Resident Evil 4. Um, with it, it was always Leon Kennedy from the beginning, the protagonist from Resident Evil 2. Um, my first experience seeing Resident Evil 4 was the the distinct Leon running, he's in a big like castle environment. It's a just, it's just okay. a cut scene. Um, now, well, yeah, that, that is one of the builds, but that's actually a later, later. build. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I actually, do you, if you want me to, I can tell you the, <laughs> one of the big earlier ones. Um, da, 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 da. Okay. So in 1999, they announced resident evil four on the cusp of the release of resident evil, uh, code Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in Japan. Now, mind you, it's I don't even think it's out yet in uh, in uh, America. But uh, but basically, they said that uh, um, Shinji Mikami had kind of ducked out, um, and uh, Hideki Kamiya, um, mm-hmm. who actually uh, would start working, uh, he was very into Gothic styles and and various other things, and he was studying a lot of what Capcom had done with the Dino Crisis series. Mm-hmm. And uh, decided to ditch uh, pre-rendered backgrounds and go for a full 3D world. Um, and uh, much of the uh, the development style, tone, and even Kamiya's direction involved what was described as a cool world. And eventually got so far removed from the roots that it would actually become... Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, Dante's <laughs> first adventure known as Devil May Cry. Um, oh, yeah, I already forgot, yeah. Oh, no, no, you're good, you're good. But that was part of Capcom Production Studio 4, Little Devils. Um, and that went on to become uh, Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but what had happened was Resident Evil 4 was left in a rut because of that. 
and mm-hmm. uh, some hardcore fans consider the original version with Leon Kennedy. Did you notice that Leon and Dante kind of look similar in that uh-huh. first game? Yeah. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> um, do consider it uh, Resident Evil 3.5, since many of the core concepts uh, do remain. Uh, apparently, there's playable versions of this. Really? Wow. But, um, it's a lot of palette swapping, and who knows what's real versus what's not. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but anyway, so the next one was uh, um, this is when Flagship got involved. Yeah. And they, they kind of do um, – they're kind of like a, a studio that does co- original concepts, which is basically the overall vertical slice of what the game's supposed to be. So anyway, I'll let you continue from here. This is the castle one, the European headquarters and whatnot. Oh, is, this, is this one I was starting off with? Um, yes. That's the, why the I wanted to get scene, you yeah. to that point. Yeah. So this was um, – I think I remember reading about the concept of this version of Resident Evil 4. Um, and it, it really, I don't know, I guess at this point, maybe it's because this is at this point in my life, I was kind of having my kind of like break from video games, but the concept just didn't, it sounded very repetitive of Code Veronica because basically the idea was that Leon Kennedy goes and goes, finds Umbrella again. And it's in at a their European headquarters head- this time. <laughs> yeah, He's in Europe course. now. <laughs> of course. So, and uh, yeah, and, um, yeah, it's it's just it just it said it felt like wash rinse repeat at least from the concept. Bearing in mind this is just writing what I was reading about. It wasn't anything shown. Um, and then um, was it was it was it E three? They they showed this demo off of the the cut. It was just a cut scene anyway. The Hookman um, version. On that, well, no, no. This was just basically all they showed off. The like the, the very first trailer I saw was where Leon is actually just running away from like this black cloud. <laughs> so that's about oh, it. Oh, you're and thinking it's... of hallucination biohazard? Yes. Uh... <laughs> and there was no biohazard four. That was it. Was known as yes. This is the hallucination biohazard uh, mm. video you're referring to. Yes. 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 And they say that Leon gets infected by the T virus. Blah blah blah. Virus. Yes. 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 <laughs> Uh, his left hand gets special abilities, and I'm sure there was yeah. going to be an Evil Dead reference or two. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it was we. Yes, okay, yes. Now, do you remember much about the gameplay of this one? Well, so well, the gameplay of this. Well, when they actually when they showed the gameplay footage, it was a lot more kind of. Well, they, they had, it was fully 3D, so they did have the whole full 3D mm-hmm. environments. Um, it, it was it was kind of it was slow. It was obviously very sort of walky, and it was very. They really wanted to go for this kind of like um, horror esque with kind of a poltergeist feel to it. If you thought so, there were tank controls before, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so yeah, um, and you're and yeah, in a, yeah, you're in a haunted castle. Uh, there were hallucination effects and whatnot. Um, in fact, a large portion of this, I think, did remain somewhat intact with Salazar's portion of Resident Evil 4. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of it went on to be part of Resident Evil 5's uh, Lost Souls DLC. Oh, really? Huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, sorry, not Lost Souls. Lost, Lost Souls was the nightmares. movie they were basing it off of. <laughs> Lost in Nightmares, yes. The, uh, the Jill and Chris DLC that was kind of an mm-hmm. extension of RE1. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. But uh, the other part was, yeah, they kind of threw in a bunch of different things, as you're pointing out. Um, they had the weird hallucinogenic jarring camera effects. Quick time um, events. Quick time events, <laughs> yeah. people thought the ones in the game are bad. These were the, I remember this demo. It was just like, go left, go right. Go yeah, left. yeah. It was like little button presses, like very basic. Um, they did the laser sight and the over-the-shoulder camera, which I think was one of the smarter yeah, moves huge, they yeah. made. But it, you couldn't run at the moment, so anyway. 
Uh, and then there was you getting chased by hook hand. Hook hand was mm-hmm. this uh, zombie where his left hand was a hook and he would chase you around and could not be killed. He's kind of a hybrid of what would later become the Crimson Head. I believe the Crimson mm-hmm. Head became this guy. And also, he was kind of an extension of uh, Nemesis. Yeah. So, yeah. But he was mm-hmm. ghost. He was a ghost-like. Um, if you do want to see the build, just go to Gaming History 101, search Resident Evil 4. My retrospective does have a link to the YouTube video. So... Which also points out, wasn't this, this was supposed to come out on PS2 as well, this stage, or it's supposed to be, they didn't have the deal with Nintendo by this point. Um, <laughs> yes, it was a first, it was originally announced for PlayStation 2, I think. Hold on, let me see if I find out in here. Yeah, well, while well, 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 you're doing that, it's, yeah. um, but. But yeah, because I know there was there was a period where obviously they they were, they still were on good terms with Sony, and but but they were obviously later. Um... Yeah, here we go. In November 2002, <laughs> Capcom announced a five game deal with Nintendo that would put five titles coming to the yeah. GameCube, known as the Capcom Five. <laughs> uh, and only Resident Evil Four was among those games to remain a console exclusive. Mm-hmm. Rumors suggested users and investors were adding pressure to move the game to the much more successful PlayStation 2. Mikami even came out and claimed he would cut his head off yep. if RE4 yep. ever made his way that. to another console. <laughs> In late 2003, <laughs> Mikami took over directional duties and uh, had a large part of the scenario and writing duties to completely reinvent the series. He spread a massive campaign in interviews. He's uh, sorry. He spread a massive campaign in interviews and told Capcom Production 4 team that the focus was to be on action and not horror. To assist in this, he dropped the umbrella involvement completely, creating the Ganados concept that borrowed from earlier versions of the game, including the new Dante-like personality for Leon. By E3 2004, Capcom locked down a January 2005 release date for the GameCube. And then to everyone's shock and awe in Halloween 2004... Um, an announcement for three new Resident Evil PS2 titles was revealed, including a port of Resident Evil 4 with expanded content hitting the PS2 later in 2005. This was a big deal because the internet was a thing. So just before you finally get your GameCube game that you never thought was going to come out, in Mm -hmm. comes fucking uh, PlayStation 2 getting a better version. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it did... um, Again, uh, for the record, Mikami did not cut his own head off, and the PS2 no. version <laughs> did come out. Uh, but I've never been able to find out if there was any action from Nintendo for breaking the exclusivity. Although in those days, it wasn't a paid or mm. contractual deal. So perhaps Nintendo had no leg to stand on. They just accepted it. Um, mm. What I will say is that many, many people do consider um, the uh, GameCube version to be the graphically superior of that generation. Yeah. I'd probably um, agree with that, actually. You, you can kind of tell if you put them side by side. There's there's, thing, there's little tweaks as well. You can tell, like, for example, um, on the PlayStation 2 version, if you change Leon's costume, like put him in his um, Resident Evil 2 outfit, um, that will he will wear that costume in the cutscenes in the GameCube version, but not the PlayStation 2 version, where he just really? wears the original outfit. Well, and uh, another interesting thing real quick, just... Going back to the head thing, as Fortingard says, fun fact, in God Hand, there's a dog in the dog race named Mikami's Head. <laughs> That's brilliant. Which, you know what? I know this is a popular topic around the quote-unquote retro circles right now, but 
I'm feeling like I really need to re, uh, need to play God Hand for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of people are kind of pushing that this year, though, so I don't want to sound like I'm doing what everybody else is doing, and so I'll just wait for a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, Mikami rebuilt that game from the ground up, and you know what? I remember people wondering, like, would this game be short? Yeah. Would this game suffer from it? And I mean, well, clearly, I don't know about you. It's a fucking amazing game. It's great, yeah. Still, I just recently replayed it and reviewed it. Was that the super duper HD PC version? Yes, it was. The (laughs) definitive HD edition. Uh, Actually, I finished it recently. I wrote the review on Mm 9.5 of this year, like September 5th, and I probably finished it in late August. So, Mm. But the game that almost never was. I've always wanted to get my hands on the the Hookman or the uh, Hallucination versions, but... I get the feeling that much like finally getting my hands on Resident Evil 1.5, it's going <laughs> yeah. to be a very poor response if I actually yeah. did play it. It won't be that great. <laughs> Jam's like, please, I don't want to hear about that version or see you do a fucking video, so just don't don't seek that out. <laughs> it's all right. I'm sure there's some um, people developing uh, Resident Evil 3.5 right now, which will get cancelled by Capcom. <laughs> There you go. Like yes. all, the, all the other 1.5 HD. The problem with the Resident Evil people is they're like, I'm going to make Resident Evil 2 and yeah. the Resident Evil 4 engine. Oh, but you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to make a, a level pack for the Source engine for Resident Evil 3. Oh, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to... It's like, to do mod. Focus on something. <laughs> Jesus Christ, focus on something. Just do one. I just want one of them. Uh, but anyway... Um, and on that HD edition, there already is a new texture pack by Modders that yeah. you can download that's significantly better. Um, I've not done it because I just spent 20 hours beating that fucking game, and I'm not going to go through it a third time yet. But, yeah. All I, right. I think though, the, the original, the final product of Resident Evil 4 way outdid the original concepts from... I'm talking about the, the hook hand thing, not the Devil May Cry thing. Although, in my opinion... Yeah, now, have you Devil played May Devil May Cry, well. May Cry 1? Yeah, I have, yeah. What if that had been a Resident Evil game? Like, you can kind of see how <laughs> it would be become. Yeah. Really? You think it would have been too weird? No, no. It, well, I mean, isn't this it, the same guy? Didn't Kamiya go on to do, like, Bayonetta? Yeah. And Yeah, I, I believe so. And I uh, think he, he worked with... Um, I think he was who teamed up with Mikami for God Hand. Because uh-huh. I think this was Clover... I think that was a Clover Studios game. Um, and this has nothing to do with stuff that's relevant to this show. But... Yeah, I've been told God Hand has a lot of the building blocks of what would become Bayonetta also. And having just huh. beaten the first game over again, whoa, what the fuck? Uh, but uh, anyway. I'll tell you, no, well, you going back to what your point, um, the point, I, I think, yeah, Devil May Cry 1 definitely feels like a Resident Evil mashup. But I was more referring to just the whole batshit insane enemies and bosses in that game. <laughs> mm-hmm. to, it's a bit of a departure from like the whole zombie kind of-esque style thing. Um, yeah, although they do keep the zombies consistent throughout, um, and the dogs get scary again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, they probably, yeah, they, they really got that one up. <laughs> when they <laughs> so, grow yeah. tendrils and shit, you're like, yeah. oh, my God, what happened to them jumping through windows? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they definitely do a really good job of building up challenges to the point that, you know, uh, the El Gigante, who is a boss, um, is a normal character in the middle of a level of, of one of the game or of one of the levels near the end. So, but, uh, yeah, Resident Evil four, fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Um, God was the last Clover game. There you go. And then they went on to yeah. 
then they were ditched. Uh, platinum. Then they became <laughs> platinum. So anyway. All right. Next up. How could we forget Silicon Knights and Dennis Dyack for a good old two human? So, oh God, <laughs> Mr. Jam Elias, have you played Two Human? I've got it. Yeah, isn't it the best fucking game in the world? <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. So playing Round Robin with uh, with Epic Games, that game uh, no longer exists digitally longest, or otherwise. Longest death scenes ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for this? Here yeah, we yeah. go. Let's delve right into it. So developer Silicon Knights originally announced the far future year 2450 AD cyberpunk Norse mythology title for the PS1 mm-hmm. in 1999. Upon the success of Blood Omen, but having not retained the IP rights, uh, it was supposed to span four CDs and release <laughs> shortly. Wow. Now, uh, for um, if you've not heard this one uh recently dennis dyack recreated another company um and he was on an ign podcast of all things uh their nintendo voice chat podcast if you go back oh, really? a couple of weeks you can find it yeah and he talks a lot about eternal darkness's development oh is this that stupid game that was kickstarted twice and there's never, and there's never oh he, come out? there's the sequel but no now he's made a new company that like yeah comes up with IP that works ag- across all three, like movies, TV, right, and video okay. games. But what he's doing is irrelevant. What he what he did that was kind of cool on this episode was Jose Otero of Nintendo Voice Chat started asking him about development and stuff, and the first thing he asked him about was, why in the world did Blood Omen come out? It was such a wide success. You guys came up with all the characters. It even says so in the fucking game when you boot it up. I recently beat that game. You know, first thing you know about... So or the first thing you know about Blood Blood Omen is Victus. The second thing you know about Blood yep. Omen is that as you boot up the game a million times, it says Silicon Knights wrote and owns all these or and uh-huh. created all these things. Well, they didn't uh, they didn't retain the IP rights, and mm-hmm. uh, something must have gone on because who did obtain the I, or keep the IP rights, <laughs> which I think was IDOS, decided that Silicon Knights might not be the best idea for the sequel, uh, Soul Reaver. And mm-hmm. so it was given to Crystal Dynamics, and then it remained with Crystal Dynamics. So they were kind of butthurt about that, but they came up with this idea for um, for uh, this Norse okay. mythology for Two yeah. Human. Now, 2450 is much farther in the future than the actual 360 game. I just want to point that out. But for mm-hmm. the most part, everything seems intact. Um <clears throat> What then happened was Nintendo signed a partnership with Silicon Knights in 2000. Uh, it was doing a lot of this stuff with the GameCube. Uh, and announced that its games would be exclusive to its consoles. According to a recent IGN interview. This is that same interview, sorry. Um, an odd turn in the pitch meeting led to the idea of Eternal Darkness and originally slated... And the originally slated N64 title became the central <laughs> focus of development. Yes. N64. Uh, yeah, Dennis actually says that the first half of Eternal Darkness was completely playable on the N64. Really? I believe that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You will notice that was a launch window game, though. I don't think it was uh-huh. at launch, but yeah. it was right after it. On that um, tiny dish, on that tiny cartridge. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? On that 64 megabit, not megabyte, megabit cartridge. Mm-hmm. And I think... Eternal Darkness is like almost a gig on the GameCube yeah, disc. Yeah. Uh, upon completion of Eternal Darkness and the eventual release on GameCube, Two Human had early prototyping on the GameCube before the Nintendo team asked him to develop MGS Twin Snakes. <laughs> now, in this, um, Dayak also talks about how he was going to talk about Eternal Darkness, and they were pl- he was planning to pitch them on um, on Eternal Darkness, and they had a couple of months to prototype it. 
Mm-hmm. And that was when Miyamoto came down with uh, then recent um, president and CEO. Um, oh, what's his name? It's who's running right now. Uh, who's in charge of Nintendo right now? Oh, I, I feel like. Iwata? Yeah, Iwata. Sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, and they basically just pulled him into drinks and said, hey, Konami's <laughs> asked us to remake Metal Gear Solid. Do you want to do it? Uh, and I got to give him credit. Uh, Silicon Knights, I think, did a really good job with that game. I think that game looked mm. really good. The first-person perspective ruins that game, but that wasn't their idea. Yeah, yeah. That was not Silicon Knights' idea. So, uh, to be honest with you, their best work was on GameCube, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Uh, and apparently, uh, one other thing real quick to talk about was he went in for uh, showing off a demo of Eternal Darkness. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a scene right near the beginning where you're going into what appears to be a large boss battle or you're going to go save somebody. I, I don't know if you remember this one. It was the Pharaoh one where all of a sudden you're going to either save him or fight him or something. And all of a sudden he just gets crushed and killed right away Yeah, uh, yeah in the cutscene. <laughs> and the yeah. Nintendo people were like, wait, you just, you just killed that guy. And Dennis goes, yeah, <laughs> with a big <laughs> smile on his face. They're like, you can't do that. Can you? And he goes, Oh, we can. And we're gonna, <laughs> So there was a part of time in my life where I bet Dennis Dyack before he became jaded and decided to get a NeoGAF account just was yeah. a really twisted, fucked up, wonderfully thinking uh, developer. Mm. Uh, he's a creative guy to say the least, but uh, he is the one who came up with all the ideas to fuck with you in Eternal Darkness. But anyway, this halted development even farther and little is known about the inner workings of the development of Two Human until it was announced for the Xbox 360 on Unreal Engine 3 in 2005, it was an epic partnership deal. Uh, Silicon Knights made a big deal with Two Human. Basically, mm-hmm. they got their development, which was rumored to be 60 to $100 million. Yeah. Now, mind you, that's for the whole trilogy. That money did not yeah, actually yeah, have to be free brought games, up yeah. with. Yeah, it was more like $25 million for the original Two Human. Uh, but the way they did it was they did a partnership deal with Unreal Engine 3, which helped subsidize the game. And they did mm-hmm. a deal with Microsoft for the trilogy which also helped subsidize the game. Although maybe Two Human's budget was more like $40 million because I could see them asking for that up front uh-huh. to kind of get everything going. And the reason they subsidized with Unreal was announcing that partnership and Two Human and stuff like that, especially because it was going to be a Microsoft 360 game, um, assisted Unreal in, and they probably gave them the engine for a very low cost or maybe even for free, who knows. But that was based purely on the fact that they would use it to make the game. Now, of course, controversy over the delivery and support of Unreal Engine caused several development delays, and the game was eventually completed with its own custom engine per Silicon Knights. However, on July, f- uh, however, that would prove to be false in the future. But let's let's move forward real quick with the release. On July fourteenth, two thousand and eight, a demo was released that was more than an hour long and downloaded more than nine hundred thousand times. The biggest demo download numbers of all time for the service at that moment. Now, did you ever download this demo? Nope, didn't play that way. <laughs> oh, okay. I did, and I was like, ah, everybody was shitting <laughs> all over it, so I was like, maybe it's not that bad. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Fortingard put the link to the uh, to the gaff thread where Dennis Dyack was like, this is going to be the greatest game that ever comes out. Uh, but anyway, um, 
And then the game released in August 2008 to poor reviews and equally poor sales. All future mm-hmm. plans were canceled in a horrible series of events regarding Diax attacks on both fans and press on NeoGAF. Uh, it would most likely be the catalyst for Silicon Knights' undoing. To make matters worse, later in time, Epic yep. would discover that many parts of the engine contained Unreal 3 and would, in 2012, receive $4.5 million and have all unsold copies of Two Human destroyed, and in 2013, have it delisted from the Xbox Live service. Have you... So you you own it. Did you play it? Yeah, yeah, I played it. I put 50 <laughs> hours into that fucking game. <laughs> 50 hours. And dude. loved every hour of it. Wow. Story is shit, but... Much like the mindless automatons who are playing Destiny right now, we just kept playing it. Me and Hefe, we had no idea why. We just kept playing it over and over and over again. You I have like fans of that game. So. I have all but like three achievements in that game. Vehemently de- defending it on our podcast at the time, Video Game Purists. We were like, "No, this is a fucking awesome game." <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway. Portingard says, no, it's not Dennis Dyack. Fair enough. Um, oh, uh, it's a research thread about every Project Silicon Knights ever did. Oh, that's even better. Oh, thank you. Actually, I take that back. So, yeah, it's uh, GAF thread 503761 if people want to look it up. It, it also talks about all versions of Two Human. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Dating back to the N64. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So, Two Human. Uh, what do you think of it, Jam? I mean, say something oh, nice. No, I'm just kidding. I was, I'm, I'm I was actually about to be slightly positive and say I don't, slightly I don't, it's, positive. <laughs> slightly positive. It's not. It's it, there's worse. I think on the console. Um, I think a lot of it. I, That's I, a sideways I mean, comment if I've ever heard one. <laughs> well, one thing. One thing I found really funny actually was um, I remember. I can't. I, I really wish I remember what magazine it was. Um, there was a magazine I was reading at the time. It wasn't a game magazine. It was one of those like you know, linked to like a newspaper. I think it was a newspaper magazine for the. And they gave it five stars, but the reviewer was heavily mm. criticised because he hadn't played the game. He oh, just that blinded. was the Maxim review. Was it? Wait, was it was Maxim it? review? Yeah. Well, they, it might have been, um, but. I, I do just simply remember that there was a reviewer that gave it five stars. Uh, it was a very short review as well. And he clearly hadn't even touched it. <laughs> just to say that this That's game was so awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> I that, love how in, in hindsight, a lot of people talk about how great it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find it. Uh, but no, maybe it wasn't Maxim. Maybe that was a different one. Maxim had the review where the guy clearly said, I never played the game, actually. Oh, no, no. He did. This this person didn't state it. So they just they just sort of tried to weave. It was the shortest review ever. It's only like a, like a short paragraph long anyway. Just sort of. It was obviously like, I don't know. Maybe their editor just said, oh, just write something. <laughs> now, what I can tell you is Gamer Node, which is probably not who you're talking about. No. But they gave it a 90 saying the game is a triumph in everything it aims oh, to wow. do. With an intriguing story, breathtaking cinematography, uh, and narrative, a unique and effective combat system, extensive customizations, and a fully meaningful concept. The other one that I love that, oh, I gotta give his name, that Planet Xbox 360 reviewer, hold on, hold on. Okay. Oh, God damn it! Get get to it! Get to it! Get to it! See, there's people that like the game. <laughs> so, I don't want to be known with the likes of these people. At least pretended they liked it. <laughs> oh, I think it's taken down. Okay, it might have been oh, taken down. But anyway, um, Planet Xbox 360 uh, 
their their postscript to their 87 review mm-hmm. is if world of warcraft had a baby with oh, star wow. wars no way and the doctor pumped it full of steroids the results <laughs> would be silicon knights is too human that's fantastic you can't write better no, no, bluff yeah. than that oh, this might be like the best reviewed bad game ever <laughs> so. yeah again overall the game is very well done and should be played by anyone that likes a good <laughs> rpg <Right>? per xbox <laughs> addict whoa myth meets diablo hybrid with the borg from star trek what the fuck they were letting anyone write reviews at this time no wonder i had a job Jesus Christ. Did you write a review for this as well? No, but no wonder I was writing reviews. No, I actually <laughs> did not want to review this game because I felt that I was biased, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, Too Human is an interesting style. Oh, <laughs> Too Human <laughs> is an interesting concept disguised as a terrible action game. <laughs> Now that's more up my speed. Uh, that's gaming target. Gave it a seven out of ten. Anyway, all right, moving on. <laughs> Would you consider WoW sci-fi because it takes place on another planet, even though it's fantasy? Uh, I think if you want to call it sci-fi, you can. Foreign guard actually pumping a baby full of steroids probably result in something as malformed as too human. <laughs> Fantastic, sir. All right, and finally, last but not least, let's talk about Half Life Three and The Last Guardian. Just kidding, just kidding. Anyway, um, all right, I think this is going to wrap up uh, our episode. Is but... Last Guardian going to come out, really? No, nope, no, it's not. I don't care what they say. I don't care what Sony says. And if it does, it's going to be the abortion of a game that we've given yeah. example after example here. Although, I got to say, for 11 years in development, Prey, probably one of the best games in the... Uh, in the like development time to result ratio, but the mm. one thing it never had was uh, any expectations. Mm. Like I don't know if you followed that very much. Not really. But, uh, no. When it came out, it was basically slated as the run on the ceiling game. That was what it was known for. Yeah, I remember seeing the early. Yeah, it was the game you could it. run on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, meh. <laughs> eh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly oh. the response you should have had. I quite like the game, actually, after it came out. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I have the special edition because it was like nobody sold it at GameStop. Like nobody yeah. bought the 360 special edition. So there were tons of unopened copies for sale all over the place. I bought it for like 10 bucks. I still have the pewter figure of oh, really? insert Native American guy here. Oh, I've gone. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Prey 2 was canceled. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. Officially. <laughs> They realized it was Mass Effect and decided probably best not to release it. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, Jam, anything you want to announce before we call this one a wrap? Uh, well, apart from obviously we'll, we'll, the next week is the music show. I'm very excited for that show. I am, yeah. Jam, I love a lot of your picks. Having uh, had to hunt them down and or record <laughs> them off of games yeah. myself. Um I was I was really pleased with your picks, uh, and you know what your pick did get me to do? Yeah, uh, I got the. Uh, this is kind of a sneak peek, but I'm not really giving it away. There's a Quake Two track that Jam asked me to grab, mm-hmm. and in grabbing that Quake Two track, I s- had never booted it up before and became addicted to the 360 version of Quake Two. 
Uh, oh yeah, no, I'm me like, too actually. Yeah, that's why I was kind yeah, of. Yeah, I'm like five levels in, and now I'm like, I want to play Quake Two, really <laughs> bad. So I got to give you credit for that. And then when we talked about the Quake Two engine with Duke, I'm like, I'm gonna play Quake Two. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, and that's one of those games where it's like I'll review it in a written form, and maybe I'll do a highlight reel with a video review. I'm gonna try to start <laughs> doing video reviews, but that's something I'll just like stream while I'm playing. And if somebody wants to drop into the Twitch thing, fuck it. <laughs> and you know what i used to turn off the comments i just turned off the comments in the feeds because they're delayed but what yeah. i am what i am doing is i've got the twitch app on my phone so i always have the twitch app open to watch chat whenever i'm streaming something but i think that's a good use of streaming it's like drop in if you really want to see me play quake 2 and if you don't fuck it nobody's hurt nobody has to deal with a youtube video it doesn't take up bandwidth so mm-hmm. um anyway uh, so, yes, next week's episode is going to be fantastic. Jam and I are going to get together this weekend and pre-record it, and then we will air it live. We will be in the chat, yep. and we will enjoy it for our Thanksgiving. So definitely check it out. Bear with us. Don't forget to head on over to GamingHistory101.com. Check out the articles. What not? Hit that little donate button if you want to give us a little piece of the pie and help us fund uh, this uh, wonderful community we have here. Also, check us out at allgames.com every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, where we are live. I want to thank all of the chatters for all of not only your information, but your fun jokes. I want to thank Jam for... Uh, Coming and hanging out with everybody. Jam and I frequently put up reviews and articles, so definitely check out uh, Gaming History 101 for all that. And then if you want the videos, youtube.com forward slash VGPTGS. Hopefully in the upcoming months, we will get some Jam Elias videos. He's working on the tech side of his stuff. But this shit costs money and nobody's paying anybody. I'm not getting paid and I'm definitely not paying Jam. And uh, Jam's kind of a, a co-owner at this point, so... Um, we're both sharing the fact that we don't make jack shit off this, which makes it really hard to run out and, you know, buy a capture card if you don't want to mm-hmm. do it on your own dime. So anyway, all right, everybody. Well, without further ado, um, they recently announced last guardian will be released on PS seven. You <laughs> joke, Simon, but anyway, yes, um, without yeah. further ado, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one and peace out.